Lewis, he loved your facility here. Uh, he came and met with the district last night. I'm excited about what the next four years are going to hold in South Georgia. You're going to see some incredible things happen, and even right here, but in our state as well. I'm excited about that. But I got out of the shower after I got home. You know, I normally take about four showers a day when you got this stuff because nothing soothes you like just hot water, cold water, hot water. Anyway, I got out of the shower, and I'm not normally a, a whiner. <laughs> but I told my wife, I said, I don't think I can do it. I just don't think I can go to bed tonight and scratch like this because, I mean, I'm bleeding. And so I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the emergency room. And uh, I hate going to the emergency room. I'd rather almost be shot. But anyway, I mustered up and I went. And they said, bottom line is you took, took so much prednisone, you've suppressed your immune system so to the point that a fungal infection has just overtaken your body. I said, well, what are we going to do about it? Amen. So when they broke out the IV, I was glad. They said, well, we messed up the first one. We've got to do it. I don't care. Just do it. Nothing hurts like the itching. And so far... About an hour, I just sort of drank in IV fluids. And man, I ain't never been high. I mean, I've been drunk a long time ago. But I went somewhere while I was on the bed there, and man, did it feel good. I wasn't itching. I didn't know if I would gave up the ghost and just went on to heaven. I don't know. But I looked, and Kelly was still sitting beside me, so I know I hadn't went on to heaven. No, I'm only... <laughs> I'm going to need all the ushers to get around me when the service is over. <laughs> but anyway, in a very serious note, honestly, within two hours or so of being there, everything that was so inflamed was reduced by 50%. I went home and didn't itch last night for the first time in two weeks. And uh, so thank you for your prayers. And uh, anyway... People have been asking me, so I figured I'd settle all that. Back to our video. Undefeated. That video showed us a guy that showed us what it's like to try to live a championship lifestyle. He said, you got to get up every day of your life. He said, you got to go to the gym, and you got to push through it. You've got to work. He said, you, your knees are going to be calloused. Your arms are going to be shaking. Your, your knees are going to buckle. He said, and you're going to get knocked down. You're going to fall down. He said, but you get back up, and you try it again. That's what we talked about last week. You get back up, and you go for it again. And what I wanted to do, and what I did in the first service, was I asked the question of this. I understand that's basketball, but, but when is the last time you and I went to the spiritual gym, and we really got a hold of God in prayer until our eyes burned with hot tears, until our knees were calloused in prayer over that person that is lost, that person that is sick, that one that is dying, that church member that's offended with you, or this person or that person. When is the last time we've been up late in the night, pushing back the plate, sweating, fighting, bleeding spiritually in prayer, because we've been knocked down, asking God, would you, Lord, please help me back up again? So today I want to talk with you about a title, Whatever It Takes. And so you can fill in the blank, Whatever It Takes, 
to win the lost. Whatever it takes to be excellent for the Lord. Whatever it takes to be the greatest example of what a Christian's supposed to be. I just want you to know that you have to go to the gym now, I'm not talking about CrossFit or, or Cross Town or wherever, but I'm talking about it might be right here. It might be beside your bed or in a den. But where you get in there and you call on the name of the Lord and you get a hold of God, maybe you've got praise and worship going, I don't know. But you continue so that when that time comes, when there's five seconds left on the clock, I've had that phone call when they said to me, come to the hospital, Brother Harvey's dying. I'll never forget, I was in the military. Uh, my last year in the military, I was getting out. I'd been called to preach, and I'll never forget, I said I had been appointed to serve as an interim pastor, and so I was still in the service. I got out, and I come home that day. Kelly had two hot dogs on my plate, and I walked in, and I sat down to eat, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, go to the hospital to see Harvey Montgomery right now. I said, Lord, I can, I'm going to go just as soon as I eat these hot dogs. And it was like, no, get up and go right now. And I'm like, but Lord, I just got off work. I mean, it's going to be cold and all of that. But I, I felt a pressing presence. The, the Lord just pressed me and said, leave that. It'll be here when you get back. Go now. I got to the hospital, had not talked to him. I'd been on the base all day. His wife in tears, his daughter in tears. They say it's only moments now. Daddy's going to be gone. And uh, he had brain cancer. He was a man of God. He loved God. I, they said, would you come in and have prayer with him? I said, I sure will. I walked in. I took him by his hand, laid my hand on his head. His daughters gathered around. His wife gathered around. I prayed a simple prayer, and when I finished, he said, <gasps> and went to heaven just that quick. And the Lord reminded me if I'd have stayed to eat two hot dogs. Are you with me? See, there comes a time when the decision must be now. There comes a time when you got to be ready to step onto the scene to do whatever God wants you to do. David had that kind of decision. You remember David? He was the son of Jesse. He was a Bethlehemite. He was the youngest boy. He was a shepherd, a thankless job. Nobody likes shepherd boys. They stank all the time. I and mean, they're walking around in manure and feeding up and all this stuff. But um, nobody likes them. It's a thankless job. But he's in the Judean hills. But I want to tell you something. You might be in a lowly place right now in the Judean hills of your life, so to speak. But I'm going to tell you that's one of the closest places David ever got to God. For in those hills, he lifted his eyes up and saw the stars at night. And he began to sing the songs of Zion. He began to write the Psalms, if you will. He began to talk to the Lord and minister to the Lord and be ministered to by the Lord. And he heard a, a growling one night and looked. And a bear had come to take his daddy's sheep. He rose up from where he was at, caught him by his beard, and smote him to the ground with his bare hands. Another time it happened with a lion. How could one small boy, how could one teenage boy in the Judean hills be so clever, be so smart? You'd be amazed at what will happen if you'll just hang out under the stars with Jesus. You'll be amazed what will happen if you'll just spend some time with the Lord. That no matter what happens in your life, it might be a lion, it might be a bear, but God will give you the strength to overcome that. Whatever it takes. What David understood was I've got to look after daddy's sheep no matter what it takes. I cannot let him steal two or three of these animals. So while he's there cultivating his relationship with the Lord, I want to tell you something. You know what the Lord was doing? While David was in the sheepfold, the Lord was preparing him for a 40-year dynasty as Israel's greatest king. 
You never get to that place of royalty till God allows you to sit in the hills sometimes and go through hardship sometimes and be rejected by family uh, and friends sometimes. But, you know, one day his daddy called him and said, David, I want you to come up here. I'll have one of the servants tend the sheep or whatever. He said, but your brothers are down uh, they, they, they're fighting with our country and, and you know I want you to go down and take some cheese to the commanders there and take some victuals and some food and I want you to check on your brothers and bring me back word. How many of you know decision day is coming? Look at your neighbor. Here's what you got to know today. Decision day is coming. So David said to his father, yes, I'll go on down and I'll check it out. So he gathers up all the groceries and the victuals. He's headed down there to uh, where Saul is. That Saul is, is the king of the Israeli army. And Israel is scared out of their mind. They're up on this hill. There's a valley out here. And then there's uh, uh, the Philistines are over here. And then this is um, Goliath, this nine-foot-plus tall behemoth of a man, this giant. And he's defying the armies of the Lord God of Israel. You say you, you, God can fight for you? Well, send somebody out here. And all of Israel's men are scared to death. Even Saul himself, almost nine foot tall, scared himself. All these men that's supposed to be, uh, you know, shaping with bravery, they're scared. And so David's coming up with his, you know, grocery cart or whatever he's got, and he's got his cheese and his victuals and whatever, and he hears that. I defy you to send somebody out here. You say you serve the Lord God of Israel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, something caught David's ear. He's talking about the guy I've been worshiping in the Judean hills. He's talking about the guy that gave me the strength to overcome a lion and a bear. He's talking about the guy that my daddy serves. He's talking about my God, and he couldn't take it no more. So he brings the cheese and the food to Saul and all these men, and he gives it to them and asks about his brothers and all that stuff. And, of course, they said, you're here because of, you know, you so... Um, knows you about everything. You know, people will do that. Anytime you try to do something for God, you knows you about everything. And so his brother said, what are you here? And, and, and David said, no, 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 more importantly, what are y'all doing here listening to that guy? Don't y'all hear what he's saying? He has defied the Lord God of Israel. And y'all sat here shaking in your shoes. Don't you know it's decision day? So let, let me add a little mycology. You can buy this or not. But y'all can sit here if you want to. But I'm willing to fight. And they look at, look at you, man. What are you talking about? Let me tell you something. Don't ever underestimate a little runt if he's got the power of God on him. Don't ever, under, don't ever underestimate somebody who has the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them. So David said, listen, I done seen it before. I've done heard the growl of a grizzly bear. I've done heard the roar of a raging lion. And my God is able to give me both of them. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall die today. It's decision day. Who's going to fight him? And all those guys, they're scared out of mind. Saul's scared out of his mind. He said, I'll tell you what. Y'all, here's your food. I'm going to go fight him. No, you can't go out and fight him. Well, why y'all ain't? He said, well, Saul said, well, if you're going to go, at least take my armor, my coat of mail. So he tried it on. I mean, it, it would look like, you know, Micah wearing my jersey or something, you know. And he's like, I can't do this, man. I can't. Let me go with what I know. All right, lay that stuff down. Give him a sling. And he goes out with a sling. And, and Goliath says, who is this guy? I mean, you send a dog out here to fight me? I want a man. I want somebody that can fight with me. 
And David just looks at him and says, listen, it's decision day. David's already decided. Today, I'm going to whip you or you're going to whip me. But you ain't going to talk about my God the way you're talking about my God in front of the people. All these pansy Christians can sit here if they want to, but I'm going to fight today, and you're going to take my head, or I'm going to take yours. And when you get to that place where you say, I'll do whatever it takes, David done told God, I'll do whatever it takes, God. I don't care. I'm just crazy enough to do it. I'll fight a bear. I'll fight a lion. I don't care about this uncircumcised Philistine. I'll just take him on too. God, if you'll go up with me, there ain't nowhere I'll go. I won't go. We need some people like that. I'll have a whatever it takes, oh God. I ain't got the money. So I don't have the building. So I don't have the people. So God says, go, and I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. So David grabbed his sling. He said, today you've defied the Lord God of the armies of Israel, but today I'll take your head off your shoulders. He begins to sling and whirl this stone, and all of a sudden he releases it. Guess what, this nine-foot giant, he's covered with a coat of mail from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. There's only one place right here at his eyes and just a little bit above his forehead. That's it, the only opening there in the whole armor. But guess what? God's positioning system, GPS, took that stone from the sling and it came right to him and hit him right between his eyes. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. He fell straight back, clang, dust went everywhere. David ran over and jumped up on his chest, reached down to his belt and grabbed his sword and pulled it out. Stepped back a step or two, looked out upon his whole, all, all of the Philistines, raised the sword. He come down in a whap and took his head in his hand and his sword in the other and turned to Israel and said, I told you. Now, I don't know if he said I told you. He didn't say it in the Bible. He said, but here is the head of this Philistine giant. Let me tell you something. If God be for you, who can be against you? Listen, if you're willing to go, what, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? David said, I ain't scared. I'll go and I'll fight and he'll whip me or I'll whip him. I'm going to tell you something. From that day forward, he went on to become the greatest king to ever rule in Israel. He had his shortcomings. He had his failure. I said that to say that this decision day is coming. As surely as you live, there will be a day when you'll come home from work and something will be in the mail or the telephone will have a voicemail or there'll be a letter or something and all of a sudden it's D-Day. It's decision day. you got to decide, am I going to trust God and believe him and or am I going to run to the hills and hide? I'm going to let that one sink in while I take a water break, all right? decision day. The day that you make the choice to decide what you're going to do. I want you to understand something about the time. We're living in the last days. You can believe that. Time is short. That window of opportunity. Now this giant had come out there, I believe about 40 days, but time is short. I said to the first service, I'm a skydiver. You know that. I'm an instructor and so I hook people to the front of me, dive out of an airplane, turn a flip, open parachute, or fall 40 seconds, open parachute, and we have a good time usually. And uh, anyway, but if we ever get in a situation we dive out the airplane and we're free falling, oh man, it's fun, it's beautiful. And all of a sudden I look, it's 5,500 feet, oh, it's time to deploy the main parachute, boom. And I open that, and all of a sudden, instead of being pretty round, I mean pretty rectangular, it's all jacked up and turning and twisting, and we're spinning out of control. I have seconds, not minutes. Seconds, not minutes to fix it. Have to analyze the situation. 
determine if I can fly it, if I can land it, if I can't, I've got to grab this handle, pull this one, pull this one, get rid of that one, open the reserve, fly home. Are you with me? Someone says, well, well what if the reserve? You still fly home. <laughs> you get it, right? <laughs> anyway, thank God that's never happened. But anyway, uh, I'm saying this is the window of opportunity. I can't sit there and say, hey, hey, hey Brother Passenger, do you think we ought to consider doing something different because we ain't going to never, never land this. I, I mean, we're going to be running about 80 miles an hour when we hit the ground if we don't do something with it. No, we, I don't have time for that. In fact, my instructions to the students is simply this. If we have an emergency in the airplane or in the air, I need to do one thing. Do exactly what I say when I say, and we'll talk about it when we get on the ground. I don't have time to explain nothing. And, and there's D-Day in your life, the decision in your life. When, when you're facing something, and, you, and you're not going to be able to call 10 counselors and this, that, and the other, but you're going to have to say, Lord, whatever it takes, and God, if you'll go with me, I will do it. Now, Lord, let me move on. Here's what I need you to do. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. I'll read this for you, and then I want to give you some steps what you need to do for whatever it takes. Notice this. Even though I am free of the demands and the expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all people in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious people, non-religious, meticulous people, loose-living people, immoralists. Y'all know any of them loose-living, immoral people? Now, this is the Message Bible, so don't freak out with me if you're in the King James. We're okay. The defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, Paul said. You get that? I didn't take on their way of life. He said, but I kept my bearings in Christ, but I did enter into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view because I've just about come every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. I did this because of the message. I did it because of the gospel. I, did, I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Listen, there's enough people in the church that's been talking about doing something for God for 50 years, and they're almost too old to do anything, and they still ain't done nothing. I wore my tennis shoes today. I might run the aisles. You've all been to the stadium, you're talking the, the stadium there uh, in Rome, and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for gold that tarnishes and fades away. You're after the gold that's gold eternally. He said, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. Anybody with me? I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me, he says. I don't know about you. He said, I'm staying in alert and in top condition. Now, wait a minute now. I understand he's contrasting two things. He's contrasting the, the athletes there in Greece. Uh, he, he's thinking about those at the stadium. He, he's thinking about that, but he's contrasting that. He said, myself, I'm still praying. I'm still fasting. I'm still reading the Word of God. I'm still going to church more than once a month. Oh, praise God. I'm still, I'm doing everything. There ain't no loose living on me. Hang on. He said, I'm staying in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Whoo, that's good stuff. I don't know about y'all, but that's good stuff. He said, I'm attending the spiritual gym every day. 
Now, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to enter in to somebody's life. Did you know the difference in a growing church and a dying, stale, dead church? One word, invite. The difference is people who look lethargic, they look apathetic and pathetic. They, they, they're not excited about what God's doing in their own life, let alone in their church. They're ticked about this and ticked about that. But I want to tell you something. The people that are happy in this world, the people that are bubbly, are those that are trying to make somebody else's dream come true, trying to help them find the light before it's too, long, too late. And when you begin to be concerned about them, I have found this. If God sees me helping somebody's dream come true, he always makes mine come true. He always does. And that's why he talks about, you know, we ought to act the way we would want to be treated. Right? Doing to others as we'd have them doing to us. Well, so I want you to enter into their life, but keep your bearings in Christ. Enter their world, but don't, you don't have to take part of all they do. Jesus wasn't drinking. Oh, yeah, they said, you know what they said? They're going to say about you too. You're a sinner. Friend of publicans and wine bibbers. Jesus wasn't drunk down there. He was just with them. I remember going to Vegas. I was stationed TDY there for 15 days. I went to Caesar's Palace. Man, I saw more at Caesar's Palace than I wanted to see. Whoo. Son, I ain't no prostitution was legal out there. Gambling legal out there. Man, there's everything. And I saw these little newspaper stands all along the road, and I thought, my God, they got a lot of newspapers. I opened one up, and it was an escort service. I mean, you just get you a date, man. You might even be ugly. I mean, bad ugly. You just get your phone out, man. You can hook up with somebody. Are you with me? And then I kept walking down the strip there, and there's a chapel here, and there's a chapel over there, and there's another little federal building right here. I'm like, what in the world is this? Would you can get married on this corner and divorced on that one? So at 7 o'clock, you can get married, and about 7.30, you can get a divorce if you don't like it. I, I mean, this is really the way it is. It's crazy. I've never seen so in all my life. Um, and I was going to try to make a point out of that for you, but... I done run that rabbit too far. What? I'm just simply saying, there are so many people that, that you know, they just do anything, and, and they're not serious about whatever it takes for the Lord. Uh, you know, but I was out there for that, and I saw all of that, and here's back to my thought. Well, why was you at Caesar Palace? I was the designated driver for all the drunks. I was the only professing Christian there and the only one that would be sober to drive home when they got through partying. You say, well, why did you enable them and all that? They were going anyway. They were going to get drunk. I was just the one to make sure that I dumped them off at room 10 or room 8 or whatever when they got back home and they called me Brother Sames or Rev or whatever. And it was funny to them. I want to tell you something. When they turned their cars over and nearly died, you know who they called for? Rev. Get Brother Sains to come to South Georgia Regional Medical Center. I think I'm dying. I had many of them come to me. You know why? Because a life of integrity and a life of testimony to them. I, I took part in their lives. Although I was not drinking, I wasn't throwing it back. Yes, I took part with them to share the gospel with them. Wow. Anyway, let me tie this up. Uh, um, you you got to get into their life. Let me show you another scripture and we'll close. Philippians 3 and 4. Funny thing about this uh, poison I've had, I don't wear a watch, so it's uh, rougher on y'all in the second service. <laughs> 
Paul said to the Philippian church, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. Paul is saying to them, listen, if anybody could boast about who they are in God, he said, if I wanted to, I could. Let, let's hear what he said. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's according to the law. He said, I'm of the, tri of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. He says, as for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness, it's based on the law. He said, faultless. I mean, he just goes right on and on and tells them. He says, concerning my um, my marks, if anybody can be proud of who they are and what they've accomplished in this life, I can do it. He said, but whatsoever these things were gains to me, I now consider lost. Loss! Loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8 says, uh, he says, um, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. He says, uh, um, I, I count it but garbage that I may gain Christ. Next verse. He says, um, And be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God uh, on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And watch this. And the participation of his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. There's a lot of people who want to know the power of his resurrection, but they don't want to have nothing to do with the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, I was suffering this past two weeks. I'm thinking, well, Man, that's always bad. I, I know we serve a God that's able to heal, and I've prayed for people and seen them healed immediately from diabetes and, and cancer and various other things, and I'm in the bathtub saying, well, Lord, won't you heal me? <laughs> I'm laying here in bleach water. I done bathed with furniture soap and carpet soap and every kind of soap and Mama's Remedy and everything, and I'm still hurting. Hello? Done seen ever Dr. Camden's gotten all that, but anyway, so somehow he says, but... I want to attain, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Next verse. Not that I've already obtained all of this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. 13 says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget that that is behind me and strain toward that that is ahead of me. Amen? I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hey, he says, you know what? I've not yet apprehended or attained that for which I was apprehended. I hadn't locked on to everything I'm wanting to lock on to and for what Jesus locked on to me for. But I'm trying my very best. What he said is, I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm doing whatever it takes. So I want to ask you as you stand with me, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Paul told us in verse 17, he said, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as uh, you have as us a model, keep your eyes on those things that we do. For as I've told you before, and I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is, destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await our Savior from there. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I want to ask you here today, are you willing to do whatever it takes? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I want to do what it takes to know him today. Is there one person while no one's looking around? Just by a show of hand, up and right back down. How about you, sir, ma'am, teenager? God bless you, sir. Somebody else? Ma'am, bless you. Somebody else? I've seen a couple hands. Three hands have gone up. Three? Somebody else? I've seen three or four hands. It's as simple as this. It's simple words. Don't get me wrong. It's simple to say it. But you got to mean it in your heart. And the word simply says this. I want you to pray this prayer with me if you're lost and you don't know the Lord Jesus. Simply this, Jesus, I have sinned. And I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart today. I want to do whatever it takes to make you the Lord of my life. I feel convicted of how I've lived, that, that I've participated in. I brought a reproach on your name. But for that, I'm sorry. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to deliver me from evil. Deliver me from addictions. Deliver me from bad habits and things that I shouldn't be doing. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Restore a right spirit in me. Your word said, if I believe in my heart, that God raised you from the dead, Jesus, that I shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I confess, based on your word in Romans 10, that today I am saved. A new creature in Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. and Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm a new boy or girl, teenager, whatever, in Jesus Christ. Thank you for praying that prayer. Now, if you're here and you, you know you've been saved a good while or whatever, but this message struck you too because it's been, a long si it's been a long time since you saw somebody walk the aisle or raise their hand because you've entered their world and witnessed to them and reached them. And Paul said, this gospel is what's made me do these things. And I want to ask you, do you want to be more effective for him? Do you want to join me in saying, Pastor, I'll do whatever it takes to reach into the world of the lost and be a shining light, to be the embrace of the Lord, to be the hand of the Lord extended, to be the feet of the Lord that take the gospel, to, to be the voice of the Lord that says, I love you to the unloved, to be willing to be the hand that feeds the hungry, whatever it is. And I want to tell you something, the Lord would be pleased you. So if you're here, you say, Pastor, I'll do whatever it takes. Would you lift your hand up right where you are? I'll do whatever it takes, God. I've not been as effective as I want to be, but so help me in the next month, there's somebody going to come through the doors right here because I'm going to enter into their world. I'm not going to act like them, but I'm going to enter their world. I'm going to love them with the love of Jesus. I'm going to do everything I need to do, and I'm going to reach them for Jesus Christ. 
and I'm going to move forward to the kingdom of God. Somebody else, just put your hand up high, hold it right now. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm not defeated. I'm an overcomer. Let me pray this prayer for you before our host come. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every hand that went up right now, I pray, God, that you would hold them accountable, that in their mind, Lord, that they would contemplate right now what it is, who it is, and where it is, and how they're going to invite, how they're going to reach out, how they're going to uh, execute the decision day, how they're going to do what you've called them to do. I pray to give them a holy boldness to speak into lives of people. I pray, God, that you would give them that stamina and that courage to stand up and to stand out unashamed of what God is doing in their life. Give them great success right now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Can y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, I'm not going to be very long. I'm just going to share my heart with you. I want to tell you about something very important that's coming up. On October the 9th is going to be our pastor appreciation. And I want us to bless our senior pastor like we've never blessed him before. You know, today's message was really fitting for what I really need to say. Whatever it takes. I don't know if you know, but at 2.30 this morning, our senior pastor was in the emergency room. But you know what? He still made a choice. He said, whatever it takes, I'm getting to the harbor because you matter. Every single one of you. Yeah. And that's the pastor, that's the leadership that we have here at the harbor. That's the leadership for 19 years that I've been able to be under. And as the executive pastor, this is my first pastor appreciation, and I really want us to open up the windows of heaven, and I just really want us to bless this man of God and his family. And on October the 9th, no, we're not taking up an offering today, but on October the 9th, I'm asking you to go ahead and begin to prepare your heart now. Begin to make that choice. Say, whatever it takes, I'm going to bless this man. Because I can't put a value on what he's done for, for me through Jesus Christ. But I can give something. And so we as the staff, we went ahead and purchased some cards. Because on October the 9th, we're going to have a card shower. And uh, we've never done this before in, in this setting. But at the Connection Center right now, you can pick up uh, uh, numerous different types of cards like this. We want you to write a personal letter to him, to tell him and his family how much they mean to you. And I know, I know it's easy to just say, hey, I really love him, I really care. But can I tell you, more than the money, these things right here, these cards will continue to push him to do more, to reach more souls, to keep on going. So today, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and prepare. When you leave here, stop by the Connection Center, pick up these cards Begin to fill them out, and then we want to ask you to fill them with a generous offering. On October the 9th, we want to bless this man of God. Amen? And I ask you to support me and our staff as we, be just, we, as we just try to just show this man of God how much we love him and how much we care. So, guys, thank you for that. Real quick, if you're here, if you're interested in the Guatemala missions trip, at right now, in just a moment when I dismiss the service, you can go into the surf shop. 
and Pastor will be sharing a few details on that mission trip. Also, if you want to be baptized, if you want to take your next step for Jesus, next Sunday at the 10.30 a.m. service, stop by our Connection Center, fill out that, just put your name down on the baptism list. We're going to give you a call this week, give you all the details. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. Y'all have an awesome Sunday. We'll see y'all next week.